Welcome to the first official episode of the Neuroaffirming Parent Podcast. So if you listen to the trailer, then you know a little bit about uh, this podcast already, but I want to describe or explicitly explain that this is not an exclusive podcast. This is not some VIP club. This podcast is going to be welcome to all who want to listen. So if you know a little bit about neurodiversity or if you have no clue about what the word neurodiversity means, you are welcome. And on this podcast, I want to talk about what it means to be a compassionate parent today. And that means understanding not exactly everything that includes neuroscience, but the concept of neurodiversity affirming practices. And why is that important? Because unfortunately it's become a buzzword. And I wouldn't say that's a bad thing because we want people to be interested in neurodiversity. We want people to be interested in learning about how all brains are connected and all brains should be celebrated but we don't want to confuse people. And so that means that if you're a student, a parent, a caregiver, or an educator, if you're just seeking to create a more nurturing and supportive environment for all human brains, no matter that individual wiring, then you are in the right place. I am not here to shame. I am not here to blame. I want to welcome you to learn more. And so... This platform is going to be used to celebrate the unique strengths and perspectives that me, myself, as a neurodivergent adult, experience in this world. And I don't just have neurodivergent friends or family members, that includes neurotypical people as well. And so I want to first explain a little bit more about myself, um, because you might be asking yourself, who is this? Who is she? What does she know about this? And so just to be frank, if you follow me on Instagram or Facebook or any social media platform, you know that my account is faceless. I have unfortunately experienced the bad side of education. I don't want my children to experience retaliation any more than they already have. So I choose to remain faceless, but also it's because I don't like attention. I am not looking for attention, and the star of this podcast is not going to be me, and I mean, it might be my guess, but ultimately it's going to be you, the listener. I want you to be able to learn from my lived experiences, other people's lived experiences, so you can take that information into your own life and become a more neuroaffirming parent yourself. And so me, how do I define myself? Well, I am more than one race. Um, I wouldn't even say I'm attached to that term race anymore because of what I've learned. So other people might say I'm more than one ethnicity. I am a millennial. I'm 30 years old. I'm a wife. I've been married for almost 10 years. I'm a mom of two kids. They're both under the age of seven. Um, I was only identified in 2002 um as gifted and giftedness is a neurotype i've learned that over the past two years it doesn't go away i was kind of taught that you know you kind of grow out of it or that you know once you graduate it doesn't mean anything anymore but that's not true um 
since 2021, I've learned more about dyslexia and neurodiversity, and that's through our own family experience. So now I identify as a dyslexic adult. I don't have a formal diagnosis. I did a wonderful screener online through the organization of Made by Dyslexia, so I know more about myself. Um, but also I have a family history of dyslexia since talking to my parents. Um, but I want this podcast to not be about me. I want you to learn from my experiences because nobody should have to struggle through these tumultuous times alone. And from what I've found out about talking to other parents is my story isn't exactly unique. I'm not the only one that's had this experience. And the statistics tell us that 80% of adults usually graduate high school unidentified as dyslexic or any other neurotype. I have a half-sister who is ADHD diagnosed, um, but I would argue that she knew that since she was in kindergarten. But whenever she went to the doctor and wanted help, she would only get pushback. Um, You know, they would say, oh, well, you might be depressed or you might have anxiety, but they would never give her a formal diagnosis and she's not alone. There's a lot of people that have that same issue. And so in this first episode, I don't really want to go into too deep of a dive to exclude anybody, but I want to give you some great resources to learn more about neurodiversity. And the first one I'm going to tell you about is partly because I recently became a Twinkle ambassador, but Twinkle, T-W-I-N-K-L.com is a wonderful resource. They partner with a lot of marginalized communities and connect with those communities and they don't appropriate the information. They collect that information and pay those communities accordingly and then use those resources to help educate others. And when so when you just go in their search bar and you search neurodiversity, you have a plethora of resources. They partnered with Neurodiversity Celebration Week, which happened this year um, back in March, and it's going to happen in 2024 in March. So you can go ahead and start getting those resources together. But they have a lot of information, banners. Um, there's also the NeurodiversityWeek.com has a resource hub. And when it comes to terminology, there's going to be a variety of things because in the neurodiversity world, I want to be clear that while the term neurodiversity is new because it was documented in an article by Harvey Bloom in 1998, but it was also documented in an academic thesis by Judy Singer in 1998, but she documented neurobiological neurodiversity diversity and then she later wrote a book explaining more um i won't go into details but you can research her and find out a little bit why she's a controversial topic at this time this podcast is going to be inclusive i do not exclude anybody and that includes the lgbtq plus community so we want to include everyone and so that brings us also to dr nick walker um they are i believe non-binary so I'll use they as a pronoun to be respectful, Um, but also on their website they say they use the pronoun she and her, and that's also important in neurodiversity. You want to learn what pronouns certain people use to be the most respectful, and you also want to be aware if somebody uses identity first language or person first language. And on my Instagram, I kind of go over that a little bit, but ultimately it depends on the person. 
But let's get into some definitions. So a wonderful resource is neuroqueer.com that is run by Dr. Nick Walker. And their definition of neurodiversity is the diversity of human minds, the infinite variation in neurocognitive functioning with our species. And they're an autistic rights activist. So that is very important because there, we have to thank autistic rights activists of the late 80s and the early 90s for neurodiversity, specifically Jim Sinclair. If you haven't read their work, I please urge you to because it's wonderful. Um, but also just moving forward backwards from there if you go to neurodiversityweek.com they have a wonderful resource where you can download a glossary of terms and it's from the diversity project and it defines neurodiversity as the biological reality of infinite variation in human neurocognitive functioning and behavior akin to the word biodiversity in the natural world so if we move backwards the definition of biodiversity is the variety of life in the world in a particular habitat or ecosystem and for me, I like to even move backwards from that. And because if you just look up the term nervous system, we can argue that it goes back to the Egyptians, Greeks, and Romans because they knew that the nervous system was very complex, but we didn't actually know what neurons in the brain were until 1900. And then we didn't know the concept of chemical transmissions in the brain until 1930. And then we began to understand the basic electrical phenomenon of neurons in 1950s and so on and so on. So that's why neuroscience predates neurodiversity, but it's all connected and it's important for advocating for neurodiversity because there are a lot of myths and misinformation that surround different neurotypes. But the more that we work together, the stronger we can be to fight that misinformation and advocate for inclusivity. And so I want to be clear because I know when I talk about neurodiversity or if I put neurodivergent in my biography, a lot of people confuse the term with autism or autistic population. And for me, I was hesitant even changing my social media handle to the neuroaffirming parent because I don't want to speak for a neurotype that I number one don't have and number two that my community doesn't really understand that well and when I say my community I mean where I live because there are currently a lot of puzzle pieces there's a huge puzzle piece billboard that's down the street from my house and I think it's so important to understand that that puzzle piece is not chosen by the autistic community and it doesn't fully represent the autistic community the best symbol for the autistic community that hashtag actually autistic people tell people online to use is the golden infinity symbol. For neurodiversity, it's the rainbow infinity symbol because it includes all neurotypes. And right now it's kind of interesting and so wonderful to see from the outside because different neurotype communities are coming together and kind of like talking about what that symbol means to them. Even in the gifted community I've seen, there's like groups that are saying, maybe we should change the term to neurocomplex. And maybe we should have like a symbol like a hurricane because that's what it feels like in our brain a lot of the times. And in dyslexia communities, um, they have certain letters like uh, P and D that are flipped around a lot um, and P and Q. And they've combined that into one symbol, which is like a pretty little flower. 
Um, so it's nice to see this community intersectionality happen. But also we need to understand that diversity needs representation. And unfortunately, there is a lack of representation with people of color within neurodiversity. So that's important too. Um, and so to go back to a little bit more terminology, when I say neurotypical, I don't mean a normal person or the default human. Neurotypical means the given biological fact that there is no such thing as a normal brain, but neurotypical is the best thought of as within the parameters of a neurocognitive style that has not been either medically defined as a disorder or culturally defined as neurodivergent. It's important not to draw lines in the sand or create tribalism by saying, oh, I'm neurotypical, I don't understand these neurodivergent people, or saying, oh, I'm neurodivergent, I don't understand these neurotypical people. We are all complex. Nobody has the same exact brain, and that's talking the physical brain and also the brain wiring. Every single person is unique. Even identical twins, you're going to have different brain wiring. And so that comes to neurodivergent. Why do I choose that term? I love the ambiguity of it. I love that I can meet somebody on the street and say, hey, I'm neurodivergent. They could say, hey, I'm neurodivergent. And we don't exactly have to go into detail of our neurotypes, but we get a little bit of how we can communicate and we understand that, hey, we have some similarities in life and we can get along. But also it can help if I meet a neurotypical person and I'm like, hey, we're going to have to, you know, talk about how to communicate a little bit better. You might see some things of, you know, I'm a dyslexic and gifted person and I might need to hear some things audibly or I, I might need a transcription of something to help me better understand. I might need visual aids or a video to help me, you know, if I need to build something or if I need to work on something, I'll need different accommodations or modifications to help me achieve our common goal. And that brings us to the term neurodiverse. So. The problem with misuse of neurodiverse is best explained in the resource by Dr. Nick Walker because a lot of people confuse the term neurodivergence and neurodiverse. So when somebody says, oh, my neurodiversity makes it hard for me to cope with school, that's a misuse. What you want to say instead is, oh, my neurodivergence makes it hard for me to cope with school. Or you could say my neurotype. Um, and then when you want to talk about neurodiverse, you're not talking about one person because diverse means that you would have multiple brains. And I even use the example of like, even when I was pregnant, yeah, I had more than one brain in my body at the same time, but I didn't have a connection to my child's brain. So at the time I physically had two brains in my body, but I don't have two brains in my body the entire time. And I don't connect with two different brains, um, if that makes sense. So neurodiverse is a group of people, no matter if they are neurodivergent or neurotypical, they are both a group of people that are neurodiverse. It's talking about different brains in one specific area. And so then we can go into certain different neurotypes, but that's where I'd love to have guests on to talk about their neurotype. For me, You'll probably hear me talk more about dyslexia and giftedness because it's currently considered 2E or twice exceptional. It previously used to be called gifted learning disabled, but obviously we've moved away that from that for 
several reasons. Um, but it is a different experience and it's kind of hard to articulate and explain. I have to thank this wonderful social media community because they've helped me break down a lot of complex feelings, thoughts, and complex emotions that I've had around my brain because I'm not just one race. So I've had several situations in life where I don't know, was that racism or was that ableism? And it's hard for me to pinpoint, but the more that I learn about neurodiversity and the more I learn about the context of which the time period that I grew up in, it helps me break down those differences. And so going forward, I don't want this podcast to be seen as like, I'm some expert, I know everything in the world. No, I am learning along right side, you guys. Um, I just learned this year and I was so happy to learn it before it happened, but there's a neurodivergent or neurodiversity pride day. And it's uh, it, this past year, it was June 16th, um, 2023. And it was the sixth annual year of neurodiversity pride day. And the website is actually run by the Netherlands. So that just is like so powerful to me because a lot of the resources I find for dyslexia are not even based in my country. They're UK based. Like the British Dyslexia Association is a wonderful resource. Um, I got lucky enough when I was looking up all these resources, it was the month of October, which is Dyslexia Awareness Month. And there's so many different neurotypes that have individual awareness months or awareness weeks or pride days or pride weeks. And I know for some people, they kind of feel like, why do we need another pride day? But for me, to see that intersectionality and to see that diversity and see the celebration, it doesn't make me feel excluded or bad. It makes me feel so proud to be alongside people with different brains because I have to say I'm biased. I believe in the power of diversity. I believe that it is one of the biggest strengths of being a human, that we can learn to adapt, we can learn to grow, and we can learn to collaborate, and we can work better together. And that goes back to kind of my twinkle resource because we have to understand that the paradigm that we've been raised with and that we've known is not created for us or by us. And so it's very important to listen kind of more than to speak. And I appreciate learning so much from fellow people. Like I love following the hashtag actually autistic hashtag or hashtag dyslexia because I know my experience is not the same as somebody else, even with my same exact brain neurotype. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I know a lot of people kind of confuse fellow neurotypes, like I've seen online where you think you've met one autistic person and so you probably met every autistic person. And for me being growing up with more than race, I know that's not true on several different levels because if you've met one woman, you haven't met all women. If you've met one black person, you haven't met all black people. If you've met one mixed person, you haven't met all black people. Do we share certain experiences and feelings in common? Yes. But do we all have the same perspective? No. And is it important to listen to everybody's perspective? Yes. And why do I say that? Because 
you know, they tell us all the time, don't meet your heroes or don't put people on the pedestal. And I think that's so true in 2023 because no one is perfect. And, you know, people hate on cancel culture and they won't understand accountability and the need for the importance. But I think it's a wonderful thing to understand that mistakes are going to happen because we're human, but it's perfectly fine to practice humility and understand that to be humble isn't to, you know, not talk about anything at all. It's to understand that if you make a mistake, you say, okay, and you take a step back and you listen and you learn and you work on yourself and you try to be better. And you listen more than you talk. And I try to do that just because I love to observe. I love to learn from other people. And I'm not starting this podcast to speak for somebody else or overshadow, but I think it's so important because a lot of neurodivergent parents like myself, we are humble. We are raised that way. We don't think that we're perfect. We, for the large part, think that we are incompetent. We look for the resources. We Google into the abyss. We stay up all night looking for answers. We wonder why. Why why does my kid not want to sleep? I feel like all these other kids online want to sleep. Why does my kid not want to sleep? Or, you know, why can't I take my kid to the restaurant without him acting up? Why can't I go to a concert? All these certain questions that run through our mind and... You know, if you put these questions out there, you don't know if you're going to get judged. You don't know if you're going to get shamed. You try to go to a school and you think everything's going to work out. You think the support systems are going to be there and they aren't always there. And you're told to do one thing. You're told to do another thing. And you can even see other people. It might work for them, but it doesn't work for you. And I've had that experience. And I want you to know that you are not alone. Um... And that's very much the importance of this podcast because this episode might be all for right now, but I want you to look forward to the next few episodes. I want you to find these discussions enlightening and inspiring, and I don't want to encourage you to subscribe for any reason. I want you to feel compelled to subscribe, to leave a review, give me some feedback, Um, Maybe you want to be a guest on this podcast one day. I want you to stay connected. I want you to continue this conversation, not just with me, but take it back to your family. Talk about these things at home. Talk about these things at work. Um, Now, if you want to follow me, you are perfectly free to. I am at the Neuroaffirming Parent on Instagram, Facebook. I do have a blog on Blogger. But if you know anybody that could benefit from this podcast, please message them and share it with them because my goal is that together we can create a world where all human brains are celebrated and supported. We should want voices and ideas to be communicated and heard and effectively better understood. So this is the Neuroaffirming Parent signing off for now. Look forward to the next episode. Be sure to listen again next time. We're going to explore new topics. So until then, thank you for listening.